Today, Rinpoche emphasized the importance of getting rid of excitement and laxity in our practice. While we're doing our meditation, we need to check if either of those have crept into our meditation and get rid of them through various means Rinpoche taught today. Okay, Rinpoche, let's see Oh, yeah. Tangasolari, so, uh, if we were to divide all of Lord Buddha's teachings into categories, we could divide the teachings into three categories that are called the teachings for beings of three capacities. Uh, so, th um, the first category of teachings are, is called the teachings for be shared in common with beings of small capacity. And this set of teachings is for a practitioner who wishes to achieve merely rebirth in the higher realms of cyclic existence in his or her next life. So this practitioner engages in the practices of going for refuge to, to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, and engaging in ethical behavior, which abandons the ten non-virtuous activities. So by depending upon or relying upon these practices, this practitioner is able to achieve rebirth in the higher realms of cyclic existence. And this category is called the teaching shared in common with beings of small capacity. The next category of teachings is for the practitioner who wishes to achieve nirvana or his or her own individual liberation. Uh, these are called the teachings shared in common with beings of medium capacity. And this practitioner engages in the practice of the three highest higher trainings. The highest higher training in ethics, concentration, and wisdom. And through dependence and independence upon these highest higher trainings, practitioner is able to achieve nirvana or achieve uh, an individual liberation. And then finally, the last set of teachings are the teachings for beings of great capacity. These teachings lead to complete Buddhahood. So this practitioner engages in what has already been mentioned and then couples that with generation of compassion, then the generation of bodhicitta, and then from there the practice of the six perfections. And in dependence upon this, these sets of teachings, this practitioner is able to achieve uh, uh, complete Buddhahood. So these are the teachings for beings of three capacities, and this is how you summarize all of Lord Buddha's teachings based on three different results. Remember Tetubi 
ਸੈਨਾਬਰ ਮਾਜਵਾਤੇ ਚਨੇ ਜਬਰ ਤੁਚੇ ਵੀ ਲੇਜੇਨੋ ਸ਼ੇਸੋਂ ਬਤਰ ਦਲਾਸੋਂ ਮੇ ਬਨੇ ਇਹ ਦੋ ਮੋ ਦੁਬਾਉ ਇਹ ਦੋ ਇਹ ਦੋ ਨਾਬਨਾ ਸੈਂਡਰਸੀਂ ਸੈਮੀ ਬਲੇ ਜੇ ਤੋ ਇਵਾ ਜੇਬੇ ਟਵਾ ਟਵਾ ਦਾ ਤੇਜੇ ਤੋ ਕੀ ਮੇ ਬਲ ਜੇ ਲਾ ਟਵਾ ਤੇ ਗੋਬਾ ਗੋਬਾ ਇਹ ਨਾ ਸੇਨਾ ਗੋਬਾ ਨੇ ਦੋ ਚਾਜੇ ਛਾਜੇ ਜੇ ਮੇ ਨਿਮੋ ਜੇ ਜੇ ਗੁਨੇ ਇਵਾ ਨੇ ਗੋਬਾ ਮੇਜੇ ਨਿਮੋ ਨਿਸ਼ੂ ਨਿਜੇ ਨਿਸ਼ੂ ਨਾ ਤੇਜੇ ਸੈਨੂ ਨਾ ਇਨੋ ਗੇ ਮੇਬਾ ਗੇ ਮੇਬਾ ਲਟਵਾ ਨਗੇ ਸੈ ਦਾ ਸੈ ਜੂ ਚਿਰੀ ਸੋ ਨੂ ਦੋਆ ਥਾ ਜੀ ਗੋਬਾ ਮੇਨੋ ਸ਼ਿਵਾਨ ਨੇ ਜੋ ਮਾਬੋ ਲੈ ਸ਼ੋਬਾ 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 ਸੀ ਸੇ ਅੰਜੋਦੇ ਆ ਇਹ ਸੀ ਸ਼ੋਬਾ ਦਾ ਇਹਦਾ ਦਾ ਮੈਜੀ ਕੋ ਤੀ ਸੈਨੀ ਲਾ ਕਾਰੀ ਟ੍ਰੇਜੀ ਸਾਦੇ ਬਲਾ ਸਾਦੇ ਬਾ ਫੇਮਚੇ ਨਾਨੇ ਯੂਜੇ ਲਾ ਟਵਾ ਮੇਬੇ ਨੈਜੀ ਸਤਾਜੀ ਮੇਬੇ ਸੈਮੋਬਾਜੀ ਲਾ ਸ਼ਿਵਾ ਦਬਨਾਉ ਦਨੇ ਮਰੀਦੇ ਸ਼ਿਵਾ ਨਸੀ ਜਰਸੂਬੇ ਤਨਾ ਸੁਜੂ ਇਮਿਸ਼ਦੇ ਗੋਰੇ ਬਾਬਾ ਲੈ ਤਲਾ ਕੇਦੇ ਮੋਬਾਦਾ ਨੀਜੇ ਨਨੇ ਸੈਂਜੀ ਸ਼ਿਵਾ ਸੈਂਜੀ ਸ਼ਿਨਾ ਸ਼ੀਤੋ ਦੋਬਾ ਥੋਨਾ ਸ਼ੇਜੂ ਬਿਸ਼ਦਾ ਗੋਰੇ ਲੈ ਜਾ ਕੇਦੇ ਮੋਬਾਦਾ ਨੀਜੀ ਸ਼ਿਵਾ ਸ਼ਿਵਾ ਨੋਬਾ ਜੋ ਵੀ ਨੀ ਨਮੋਬਾ ਕਾਦੋਆ ਨਮੋ ਬਚਦਾ ਤੇ ਨਾ ਦੋ ਸੈਨਾਬਰ ਇਵਾ ਇਨੋ ਸ਼ੇਮੋ ਬਤਾ ਨੀਜੇ ਤੇ ਸੈਂ ਸਿਨਾ ਨਾਗੇ ਨਾਈ ਦੋ ਸ਼ੇਜੋਂ ਬਿਸ਼ਰ ਕੁੰਦੀ ਲੈ ਜਾ ਸ਼ਿਵਾਦਾ ਨਿਮੋ ਨਿਨੇਜੀ ਨਾਈ ਨੇ ਕਾਜੋ ਮਾਜੀ ਮੈਂ ਤਰਸ਼ੇ ਵੀ ਨਾਈ ਲਾ ਗਵਾਇਆ ਸ਼ੋਈ ਨਿਮੋਚੇ ਤੋਂ ਮੰਗੇਸੋ ਤੇਨਾ ਮੋਬਨੇ ਕੁਲੇ ਤੁਲੇ ਮੋਬਕਾਸ਼ੇਨਾ ਤਮੋਗੀ ਛਾਤੋ ਵੀ ਸੈਜੋ ਲੇਜੋ ਮਰੋ ਅਨੀਦੋ 
Just make sure I know where we stop. Just give me one second here so I can bring Rinpoche back when we get there. 
Okay. Perfect. Okay. Now, so we're on page 57, num chapter 4, dealing with laxity and excitement. What, uh, what to do after you focus on an object of meditation. This has two sections. What to do when laxity and excitement occur. What to do when laxity and excitement are absent. So the two obstacles to single-pointed concentration, uh, laxity and excitement, uh, here is showing how to establish them, um, define them, and uh, get rid of them, and what to do once you have. What to do when laxity and excitement occur. This has two parts. Using the remedy for failing to recognize laxity and excitement. And two, using the re remedy for failing to try to eliminate them even when they are recognized. A. When using the remedy for failing to recognize laxity and excitement. Uh, this has two sections. The defining characteristics of laxity and excitement and the method for developing vigilance that recognizes them during meditation. Number one, the defining characteristics of laxity and excitement. Excitement is defined in Asanga's compendium of knowledge as, uh, it, what is excitement? It is an unquiet state of mind considered a derivative of attachment which pursues pleasant objects and acts as an impediment to meditative serenity. So it's the wandering, uh, the mind's wandering off of the object of observation. There are three aspects to this definition. It is an object, uh, the, uh, its object is an attractive and pleasant one. Two, its subjective aspect is that your mind is unquiet and scattered outward. As it is a derivative of attachment, it engages its object with a sense of craving. And number three, its function is to impede stabilization of your mind on its object. When your attention is inwardly fixed upon its object, excitement, which is attached to form, sound, and so on, pulls on your attention helplessly toward these objects and causes distraction. As it says in Chanda Groman's Praise of Confession, just as you are focused on meditative serenity, directing your attention toward it again and again, the noose of the afflictions pulls your attention helplessly with the rope of attachment to objects. Question, is it excitement when there is scattering in which other afflictions distract your mind away from object, or, for that matter, when there is scattering towards other virtuous objects? Reply, excitement is a derivative of attachment. So being distracted by other afflictions is not excitement. Rather, it is the mental process of distraction, which is one of the 20 secondary afflictions. Scattering towards virtuous objects may involve any virtuous mind or mental process, so not all scattering is excitement. Many translators render xinghua, uh, or laxity, as slackness, zumba. So these are, they're going through the different words um, in Tibetan that... You know, we're, we use sometimes laxity and dullness, and we use all these different words. Uh, they do too, and they're showing that there are very specific meanings behind specific words, and that it isn't just, they aren't interchangeable, basically. These words are not going to be interchangeable. Um, so, uh, da, 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 da. many translations render laxity, xinghua, as la slackness. Zumba, but this slackness should not be construed as meaning discouragement. Zumba, as for its definition, so the very similar words in Tibetan. So this is really talking about the Tibetan words themselves and their similarities and, and distinctions. 
Um, as for its definition, most yogis among these snowy peaks seem to consider laxity to be a lethargic state of mind that stays on its object of meditation without scattering elf elsewhere, but lacks limpid clarity. This is incorrect. For lethargy is said to cause laxity. So the two are distinct, as suggested in Kamala Shila's second stages of meditation. Um, if being oppressed by lethargy and sleepiness, you see your mind become lax or in danger of laxity. Hold on one second. Yep. Also, the sutra unraveling the intended meaning says, If there is laxity due to lethargy and sleepiness, or if you are afflicted by any secondary afflictions in meditative absorption, it is a case of internal mental distraction. This states that when your mind becomes lax due to lethargy and sleepiness, it is distracted inwardly. Asanga's compendium of knowledge also discusses laxity in the context of the secondary affliction of distraction. But distraction, as he explains, it may also be virtuous, so it is not necessarily afflictive. Um, so just pointing out all the different possibilities within um, this kind of this specific kind of distraction and how the levels of distraction occur. Um, based in, um, occur in dependence upon certain things. Uh, of lethargy, then, a Sangha's compendium of knowledge says, What is lethargy? And then be like lethargy dash. An unserviceable state of mind classified as a derivative of delusion. It works to assist all root afflictions and secondary uh, afflictions. Again, an unserviceable state of mind classified as a derivative of delusion. It works to assist all root afflictions and secondary afflictions. So this derivative of delusion is the heaviness and the unserviceability of body and mind. Basu Bandhu's treasury, treasure, treasury of Knowledge auto-commentary, uh, so uh, Basu Bandhu's own commentary on the Abhidharma Kosha, says, what is lethargy? The heaviness of body and the heaviness of mind, which are the unserviceability of the body and the unserviceability of the mind. Laxity means that your mind's way of apprehending the object of meditation is slack, and it does not apprehend the object with much vividness or firmness. So even if it is limpid, if your mind's way of apprehending the object is not highly vivid, then laxity has set in. Kamala Shila's second stages of meditation states, when your mind does not see the object vividly, like a person being blind or a person entering in a dark place, or like having one's eye sh one eye shut, then recognize that your mind has become lax. I have not seen a clear presentation of the definition of laxity in other classic texts. Laxity may be virtuous or ethically neutral, whereas lethargy is either a non-virtuous virtuous or ethically neutral mental obstruction, and it is invariably a derivative of delusion. So there isn't a virtuous form, it says, basically. Moreover, the classic texts say that to dispel laxity, you must bring to mind pleasant objects such as the body of the Buddha or meditate on light, so as to stimulate your mind. Therefore, you have to stop the object from appearing unclearly as though darkness were descending on your mind. And you have to put it to an end to the quality of attention which has become flaccid. You need to make a clear object of meditation and a tight way of apprehending the object. Neither a clear object alone nor transparency of the subject alone is enough. It is easy to recognize excitement, but laxity is hard to comprehend since it is not clearly identified in the authoritative cl uh, classic texts. Um, 
It is also very important because in the case it is a major point of misunderstanding concerning flawless concentration. Therefore, meaning that a lot of people mistake um, uh, appropriate concentrations. Uh, a lot of people mistake laxity for real levels of concentration, like a zoned out kind of um, unclear level of, um, of meditation. Um, some would believe was a realization where it's just actually this laxity. Therefore, um, uh, let me reread it. It is not easy to recognize excitement, but laxity is hard to comprehend since it is not clearly identified in the uh, um, authoritative classic text. It is also very important because in this case, it is a major point of misunderstanding concerning flawless concentration. Therefore, you should experience laxity with an, an exacting awareness and on that basis, examine it well and identify it in accordance with Kamala Shila's stages of meditation. Then um, Rinpoche, the Shewan Lena, the the Nepogare, the Dawa Tong, the Ja Tong, Nama Chirang Lapja Mambo Matsu Lapsong. Shewan the Lena, not the Nawa. No, the Chitraman Tuan, or the Nuke. The Lapja Kashe, Yerebe. So Rimich, I was saying that Rimiche gave advices before also when um this uh, laxity starts to occur that you can actually have something cold to drink, um, just stop what you're doing. Look, and also advice is to look at the moon so that uh, this kind of vividness and clarity um, and the, the uh, um, idea of it comes back to you and then sit down and try to re, um, restart your meditation. To, so it's, it's a way, if you start to have this kind of sleepiness that is kind of the cause of this and this lethargy creeping in that then becomes to be begins to become a laxity um, you can stop what you're doing and then have something to drink or go basically wake yourself up is what uh, Rinpoche is saying and, and some methods to do so our suggestions in the text are looking at the moon having some tea having a glass of water walking around a little bit um, and then sitting back down to try to achieve that clarity which is free from both excitement and laxity. Okay, Digson. Then Rimache the Shingu do Dopi Sheshin. Shingu Dopi Sheshin. There, there. She wanted to send me about living the daughter there. Maybe she do several hot amber manzin by him there. Don't tell you, John. Maybe in the dawn she do. So <laughs> Chetawa 
Shut 
All right. It is easy to recognize excitement, but laxity is hard to comprehend since it is not clearly identified in authoritative texts. It is also very important because in this case it is a major point of misunderstanding concerning flawless concentration. Therefore, you should experience laxity with an exacting awareness and on that basis examine it well and identify it in accordance with Kamala Shila's uh, stages of meditation. In Rinpoche, the Shiwang, Hashan Dawa, Shiwang Dandraar. Method for developing So the method for developing vigilance that recognizes laxity and excitement is not enough just to have an understanding of laxity and excitement. You have to be able to develop vigilance and accurately detects whether laxity or excitement is present during meditation. Moreover, by gradually developing powerful vigilance, not only must you develop vigilance that recognizes laxity and excitement as soon as they occur, you must also develop a vigilance that recognizes them when they are on the verge of occurring, before they have actually arisen. This is demonstrated by the statements in Kamala Shila's last two stages of meditation. If you see your mind become laxed or in danger of laxity, you see your mind become excited, excited or in danger of becoming excited, until you develop such vigilance, you cannot reliably conclude that you have had flawless meditation, free of laxity and excitement during a given period of time. This is because not having developed powerful vigilance, you cannot be sure whether laxity and excitement have occurred. Likewise, in a passage that begins, there is recognition of laxity and excitement. Maitreya's separation of the middle from extreme says that you need vigilance in order to recognize laxity and excitement. Accordingly, if you have not developed vigilance such as, as would preclude any failure to recognize the presence of laxity or excitement, then even if you try to meditate for a long time, you will pass the time under the influence of subtle laxity and excitement, failing to sense laxity and excitement while they are occurring. So not having read and studied and understood what laxity and excitement and all of these words are, when they occur in actual meditation, you don't recognize them because you haven't studied to know what they are. So the point here is that you have to be able to um, establish that this has arisen or this hasn't arisen. And in order to establish that, you have to know what this or that is. You have to clearly know what a sign of it happening is or clearly know what, what you are looking for to get rid of or sustain. Um, let me see. Where am I? Thank you. That's right. How do you develop this vigilance? Reply. It's most Im important because in the process of maintaining mindfulness, which I explained above, if you can develop continual mindfulness, you'll be able to avoid forgetting the object of meditation and becoming distracted. Thus, since this prevents a prolonged failure to sense the presence of laxity and excitement, you must easily recognize laxity and excitement. This will perfectly evident this will be perfectly evident if you examine in terms of your own experience how long it takes to recognize laxity and excitement when mindfulness is impaired and how quickly you recognize them when it is not impaired. With this in mind, Shantideva is engaging in the Bodhisattva states, when mindfulness dwells at the gate of your mind for its protection, then vigilance will appear. 
and Srimati's explanation of the separation of the middle from extreme states. The statement there is recognition of laxity excitement by vigilance of if mindfulness does not lapse indicates that mindfulness when fully present is accompanied by vigilance. That is why it says if mindfulness does not lapse. So there has um, mindfulness has to have vigilance driving it um, and so that's the point of it here. Um, if mindfulness laps, it means that vigilance has lapsed. Um, so mindfulness has to occur with coupled with vigilance. Uh, the following cause of vigilance is distinctive to the way to maintain vigilance. Focus your mind on a visualized, visualized image of the body of a deity, etc. Or focus on a subjective aspect such as the quality of experience being simply luminous and aware. Basically, it's saying pick an object of observation as uh, for for your meditation. Then, while you stay mindful, as explained above, hold your attention on the object while continuously monitoring whether it is scattering elsewhere. Know that this is critical for the maintain maintenance of vigilance. As Shanti Deva's engaging in the Bodhisattva's deeds says, examining again and again the states of body and the mind. Just that, in brief, is what it means to perceive vigilance. Thus, with this method, you develop vigilance that notices laxity and excitement when they are on the verge of arising. While with the method for maintaining mindfulness, you prevent forgetfulness in which attention is distracted and slips away. Hence, you have to properly distinguish these two. Otherwise, if you practice as is Otherwise, if you practice as is done nowadays, combining all these awarenesses with no understanding of their distinctions, I am afraid that the concentration resulting from a muddled cause will itself be muddled. Therefore, it is very important to make a very precise analysis of this in accordance with each of the major authoritative texts, and then to determine in your practice do not place your hopes on sheer determination, for Aryashura's Compendium of the Perfection says, Using only joyous perseverance, you will end up exhausted. If you practice with the aid of wisdom, you will achieve the great goal. Okay, keep going. Okay. Using the remedy using the remedy for failing to try to eliminate them even when they are recognized. As explained above, you develop very powerful mindfulness and vigilance through proper use of the methods for maintaining mindfulness and vigilance. Vigilance is then able to notice even very subtle laxity and excitement. So there is no problem recognizing the occurrence of laxity and excitement. However, when you make no effort to stop those two as soon as they arise, your complacency or failure to apply yourself constitutes an extremely serious problem for your concentration. Four, if you practice in this way, your mind will form bad habits, and then it will be extremely difficult to develop a concentration free of laxity and excitement. So right from the beginning, when laxity occurs, deal with it. When excitement occurs, deal with it. Therefore, uh, apply an antidote, meaning deal with it. Therefore, to... Re Therefore, to remedy a failure to apply yourself to the elimination of laxity and excitement, cultivate the attention, the intention called application or effort. This section has two parts. One, intention and the way that it stops laxity and excitement. And two, the underlying causes of laxity and excitement. The first is intention and the way that it stops laxity and excitement. Tambo ne, gun le du le, Tambone, tam, tambone, gunle, dule, yomare, arke, nanti.
Intention in the way it stops laxity and excitement. Asanga's compendium of knowledge. What is intention? It is the mental activity of applying your mind, having the function of drawing your mind to virtue, non-virtue, or ethically neutral. Uh, so just as a translator's note, when you divide actions, you can divide them into three categories. Those that are virtuous, those that are non-virtuous, and those that are ethically neutral. And the way that they're defined is if it's virtuous, it's, it is um, a cause for happiness. If it's non-virtuous, it's a cause uh, for suffering. And if it's ethically neutral, it's neither. So, uh, This is how you should understand it. For example, iron fillings are compelled to move under the influence of a magnet. Similarly, I can never say that. Similarly, is that right? Similarly, the pro mental process of intention moves and stimulates your mind toward virtue, non-virtue, and ethically neutral. So here... It here refers to an intention that applies your mind to the elimination of laxity or excitement when one of them occurs. Question. Question. After you have thus aroused your mind to eliminate laxity and excitement, how do you stop laxity and excitement? 
uh, response. Mental laxity involves a very excessive inward withdrawal, leading to a slippage in the way you apprehend the object of meditation. So you should direct your mind to, to delightful things that cause it to expand outward. This should be something like a very beautiful image of the Buddha, not something delightful that gives rise to afflictions. Or bring to mind an image of light, such as sunlight. When this clears away laxity, immediately tighten the way you apprehend the object and sustain that in meditation. As Kamalashila's first stages of meditation explains, how, when you are overcome with lethargy and sleepiness, when there is a lack of clarity in your apprehension of the object of meditation, your mind has become lax, then meditate on the idea of light or bring to mind the most delightful things such as the qualities of the Buddha. Dispel laxity in this way and firmly hold on the object of meditation. In this situation, do not meditate on a disenchanting object because disenchantment causes your mind to withdraw inward. When you expand your mind by using discerning wisdom to analyze an object of your choice, this also stops laxity. Are you sure as Compendium of Perfection says, when slack, your mind is stimulated and inspired by virtue of energy of striving for insight. Um, thus, laxity or slackness is as follows. The state of mind the two terms describe is called laxity because there is a decline in the way you apprehend the object of meditation. It is called slackness because there is an excessive withdrawal inward. You counteract it by stimulating the way you apprehend the object and by making the object of meditation extensive so as to expand your mind. Baba Vega's Heart of Meditative Way states, in the case of slackness, expand your mind by meditating on an extensive object. Further, in the case of slackness, inspire yourself by observing the benefits of joyous perseverance. And these are all just, you're reining back in your object of observation. They're just techniques. Uh, they aren't all separate objects of meditation. They're just reining back to your single object of meditation that you started with. Uh, in the case of slackness, expand your mind by meditating on extensive object and further in the case of slackness, inspire yourself by observing the benefits of joyous perseverance. Also, Shanti Deva's Compendium of Trainings Siksya uh, Samukhaya states, If your mind becomes slack, inspire yourself by cultivating delight. The great scholars and adepts are in agreement on this matter. So here is the most important remedy for stopping laxity. When you reflect on the good qualities of such things as the three jewels, the benefits of the spirit of enlightenment, the great significance of attaining leisure, it should have a bracing effect on your mind, just as cold water is thrown on the face of a sleeping person. This depends on your having had experience with discerning analytical meditation on these beneficial topics. If you cultivate a remedy for being accustomed to the underlying causes of laxity, namely lethargy, sleepiness, and something that induces these two, wherein your mind takes on a gloomy aspect, then laxity resulting from these causes will not arise, or if it has arisen, will stop. In this regard, uh, Asanga Shravaka levels suggests such activities as going for a walk, holding on an image of brightness in your mind, and familiarizing yourself with it repeatedly, pursuing any of the six recollections, the Buddha, the teaching, the community, the ethical discipline, generosity, and the deities, stimulating your mind by means of other inspiring objects of meditation, orally reciting teachings that discuss the faults of lethargy and sleepiness, gazing in different directions at the moon and the stars, washing your face with water, 
Also, if laxity is very slight and occurs only infrequently, tighten up your apprehension of the object and continue meditating. But if laxity is dense and seems to occur repeatedly, suspend your cultivation of concentration, clear away laxity using any of those remedies, and then resume your meditation. Whether your object of meditation entails directing your mind inward or outward, if the object is unclear and you have the sense of darkness, slight or dense, descending on your mind, it will be hard to cut through laxity if you continue to meditate without eliminating it. Therefore, as a remedy for it, repeatedly meditate on the appearance of light. Uh, let me just make sure where we are here. Kabar Kassan Rimshi. Oh, it's so shut. Um, just give me one second. I'll, I'll figure it out. I just have to look at two things. Okay. So this is all about, this whole section Rinpoche just said is about getting rid of those two negativities of excitement and uh, laxity. Um, so just getting rid of those two. And um, I think that's it. Appearance of light. Okay. Cultivate serenity and insight. Iron. Okay. Give me a second here. And we're at page 522 in the Tibetan. Out there he read all that. Yeah, okay. Cultivate serenity and insight correctly with a mind that is bright and radiant, a mind of clear light, free of gloom. On the way to serenity and insight, meditate on a sense of brightness in this way. If you do, then even at the outset, your interest in an object of meditation... If you do, then even at the outset, your interest in an object of meditation is dull and brightness is fading. The cause and condition of having accustomed yourself to that meditation will clarify your interest in the object of meditation and lead to great brightness. If there is clarity and great brightness at the outset, clarity and brightness will later become still more vast. So since he says you should cultivate brightness even when the object of meditation is clear from the beginning, this is all more true when it is unclear. Uh, so it's stating that you should even do this um, as a beginning part of the meditation, even if the object is clear, to even make it brighter. Um, so it's saying if it's an advice is given to do this, this light, making everything very bright, um, even if it's clear, then you should definitely do it if there's some dullness in, in the meditation. Um, let's see. So he says you cultivate brightness even when the object of meditation is clear from the beginning. This is even more true when it is unclear. Sangha Shravaka Levels also describes how to hold the sign of brightness 
uh, in meditation. Hold, hold in meditation the sign of brightness from the light of an oil lamp, the light of a bonfire, the orb of the sun. Meditate on the sign of brightness not only while cultivating concentration, but on other occasions as well. In the case of excitement, out of attachment, your attention pursues objects such as forms and sounds. So in response to that, bring to mind disillusioning things that cause your attention to be drawn inward. As soon as this calms the excitement, settle your mind on the earlier object of meditation. Kamala Shila's first stages of meditation states, when you see that your mind is occasionally becoming excited as you recall previous excitement play and so forth, calm the excitement by bringing to mind disillusioning things such as impermanence. Then strive to engage the object of meditation without your mind becoming involved in activity. Baba Vega's Heart of the Middle Way states, calm excitement by bringing to mind Calm excitement by bringing to mind impermanence and so forth. And pull your mind back from distraction by noting the faults of distracting objects. Also, Shanti Deva's Compendium of Training states, if excitement occurs, calm it by bringing impermanence to mind. Um, so, if very strong or prolonged excitement occurs, it's crucial that you relax the meditation for a while and cultivate a sense of disenchantment, rather than attempting to pull in your mind and direct it back to the object of meditation every time it becomes scattered. For excitement that is not so dominant, draw into the scattered attention and fix your attention upon the object of meditation. This is because Aryashura's Compendium Perfection states, when your mind becomes excited, stop this disturbance by calming it and stabilizing your attention. And Asanga's texts on the level say that the sutra passage you focus your mind refers to remedy for excitement. It is generally said that if your mind is excited, you should focus on the object of meditation, while it is, if it is lax, you should think about a delightful object. The Sangha Shravaka level states, Thus, once your mind has become withdrawn inward and you note that there is slackness or the threat of slackness, maintain and gladden your mind by thinking of any inspiring uh, things. This is maintaining your mind. How do you settle your mind? While maintaining your mind, when you note that your mind is excited or that there is a threat of excitement, withdraw, withdraw your mind inward and settle in a calming stabilization. When your mind is excited, do not bring to mind inspiring delightful objects because this will cause your mind to be distracted outwards. So if your mind is excited and you think about exciting things, it will cause your mind to become even more distracted. So there, there are these um, different ways to rein in the mind and to oppose the, the negativities of excitement and dullness. So we'll end there. And uh, Rimache once said we'd do some question and answer section. Coleman, yeah. get on the mic. Good, get on. Oh, sorry. That's, uh, I forget what we're doing sometimes. Wiki, wiki, wiki. Uh, I just want to ask Rinpoche if maybe uh, tobacco. Tabasco? Um, tobacco. Okay. Um, chewing tobacco specifically is okay today. Um, Rinpoche, Nima Dakpar kon the mekashe tamaton? Tama. Tama napo yomari. Tama. Mekashe sagdu. De. De nanga. The the tamanangla. I don't know how to. I know how to say cigarette. So I'm saying some people put cigarette, and he, he'll figure it out because he's seen it before. He's seen it. So mekashe the tama tomai konso de de shagdu tearing teaching so jungle dumba yure ngatsu tearing de ka yes yes garishene the the chang chang matong ara matong. Then Garishene, the Tama, the 
de tse dang dropo dude tse tse then constantly shagdu what the so got on show man tearing no not to use today I tried every which way. I have doubt, but I'm sticking with it. Then a jaton tungumare tearing. Jaton what is? Garshene. I said, well, you can't drink tea then. All right, let's go. We're rolling. Then garshene. Ja? Ja naban tonchu what is? Ja nangla drug yure. Tama nangla drug yure. Chipa. Ja then tama chipa. Garshene chipa yomare. Garshene. Garshene chipa yomari. Jatona ni ni jupo drogdu. Tamatona ni jupo drogdu. Sen ripa chipa kelen. Drug chipa. Sen ripa. Sen ripa drug chipa. Drug maris. Jada arada arada drug dung epa chumbir. Jatona dung epa chipa yomari. Did that. I'm saying that he's saying that no, because uh, black smoke, so um, opium or heroin, uh, that, that, so I'm, tra- I'm translating, or alcohol is much more harmful. So we can't say it's the same as tea. So I was saying, um, so they're saying that we can't say it's the same as tea. And I say that large amounts of, of, of caffeine isn't good for kidneys, right? Any kind of drug isn't good for one's kidneys or for one's liver. I'm saying, I'm just saying, if we're going to debate this and we're going to say you can't do this because this is good and this is bad, why? We're, we're not, you know, ants following each other. Let's talk about this. I would say tea in small amounts. In small, we're talking about you can drink tea as much as you want today. This isn't. But tobacco in small amounts, not beneficial. Correct. And it's in the prayer book. What is? No, tobacco. In precepts. In which ones? We didn't say that in the Tibetan. Alcohol, tobacco, recreational drugs. Yeah, they added that. That's some white guy added that. I'm not kidding. That's not in the Tibetan. Let's say that in the Tibetan. I'm just saying. Let's be. Li- let's let's talk about this. But then you could say sugar also. I know. I understand. But there's got to be. The dasi dangdu. Gangin sena. The tama nangla tobacco yure. Tobacco dangja nicha tse. Drapodu. Then a chik ja zugdu. Chik tung tama tongdu. Drapodu. Yene tama napo dang tama kakare. Tama napo dang tama tong kak chipa yomare. Jan, the Tuning, 
It says that you can see that there, just look at the hospitals and illnesses. There aren't people there with tea. They're there because of cigarettes and alcohol and things like this. So that's, that's logical enough for me, and I think we can move on. Is everybody okay with moving on? I'm inwardly not, but outwardly I'm okay with moving on. They're not dying. So you're not supposed to smoke cigarettes if you have a layperson, Val. I did not know this. But in the Thailand here, Thailand, this, the monks smoke. And they said that it's, the Buddha didn't say anything about it. And that's where I'm saying, that's what the, my point, is that somebody added that. It's not in the Tibetan. It says don't drink alcohol. It says that, yes. But it doesn't, this addition. Um, I heard another Geshe say, though, in a commentary, that it does say chemical substances that cause the same like as in, as uh, alcohol, so there is a book where it does say uh, chemical mixtures, like uh, mixtures, like um, that could cause intoxication. Those that is in that um, layperson vow, but but you, it's all very debatable. Sanjay Tama Kamasun. Sanjay Tama Kamasun. Sanjay Guba Guba. Guba. Guba dan uh, garlic and onions. The yine the Sanjay the Hindu the Kalangadu. Chikshina then ya then eh. Gangusana the Shaju the Yure. Shaju the Gupa Danzong Ma Masa. Yine Nedra Lana Mepiju Digre. So he's Rimache is saying that um, there's a lot of uh, things that it, it talks about um, not drink eating onions and not having garlic. So there are suggestions that you will find in the texts about tobacco. You'll, there, he says they are in there. The Sanjay ka the Delpa? Sanjay ka. It's Buddhist speech. Next. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, we should go. <laughs> we should move on um, before we get to like I don't know. Where <laughs> we're vaping whether that Hold on, I'm sorry. Sai Dumba. The Kali Kali Kisunan Grimshe Gongamit. Oh, if the, the the Buddha stated that if you are my oh the 
that say the nangla cheat chirangye getru yomare. Yene the Sanjay Sumbare the Chirang Chang the that say na the Kambashilo lot say Mambo Yure. Then Sanjay that say the Ara Nyunyun that say the Tona Chirangye Getru Yomare. So the Buddha did state that don't call yourself my student if you drink alcohol. So that is something that the Buddha did state. The Buddha has stated a lot about alcohol. A lot of stories and a lot of things um, speaking negatively about alcohol and saying that alcohol is the kind of conduit to the other non-virtues. So like to lying, to stealing, to sexual misconduct. So uh, becoming drunk causes you to engage in those things. Anyway, so Buddhists say the actual quote is, if you drink as much alcohol as fits on a blade of grass, don't call yourself my student. He's just em emphasizing. It wouldn't be very many Buddhists, I think, if that was law. Go for it. Let's roll. Um, well, I had a question when you um, are meditating on uh, you're trying to take an, an object of uh, awareness that's com that's complex, like a, you know, an image of uh, Buddha. Um, is it? recommended to focus on a specific aspect of that because it seems like if something's complicated like that you're you're and you're not sort of focused on a specific aspect your attention will shift around and so you won't actually really be even if you're thinking about the buddha you might be thinking about a different aspect of the buddha and so your your attention would be would be shifting say aspect do you mean part of the Buddha? like okay you've got a picture of the buddha here um, and you're thinking about the, this part of the picture, or you're thinking of a rougher picture of the, or a different picture. Well, I, I guess both. Uh, See what I mean, both a, um, both yeah, different parts of the of the picture, and I mean like there's the, the the various aspects that you're supposed to to visualize, but then even I guess at a more conceptual level, like you know his com the com Buddha's compassion versus wisdom or something something. That's along those separate lines. though. Yeah, yeah, but I, I guess and I unsure about either. Okay. The ne um tinginzi shine gom then mikpa sanje. Okay, sanje the mikpa shacha tupa. Yine shacha tupa the rinchin mambo yere dang the go the rinchin mambo yere then sansan kali kabu du gangisana the mambo yure se the kadok ser dang then chun 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 san lo dang go then a the chotse tsalo dang dang the senge tsalo dangu then a the the salo mambo dangu then a chiran salo gariu be shine gona sanje yunten salo dangu do sanje par kunat salo dang the chiwa chiwa chip tambo what the chiwa mars karin and do this Yine shinegom the the jegon jugom ni the shinegom the sanodang the sanje yunten sanodang mare shinegom shinegom the sanje yunten sanodang gonadiri magonadiri then the jegon jugom gariena chegon da jugon ta suzu dobare sansan chebaje sansan jugon je gonadiri then the the jugona sanje yunten sanodan okay so um it's 
while, while you're doing the meditation, you're trying to eventually end up at this clear picture. Um, but you don't want to spend a lot of time um, moving all around this picture. So you can go back and forth from analytical meditation and single-pointed meditation. So um, as it says in here, um, when you're beginning stages, you're trying to get to a place where you can have single-pointed concentration. Thinking of the excellent qualities of the Buddha and things like that do enhance your effort, your desire to do this single meditation, uh, pointed meditation, but when you're thinking, when you're trying, when you, what your eventual goal is, is not um, thinking of excellent qualities. It's merely a, held on the image in your mind, um, image alone. Just that image without any storyline, if you will, because then storyline becomes analysis. But, but the image itself you want to get to the place where it's as vivid as you, you can and then hold that and do that in, in lots of sessions um, and, and then build, each session builds on the sessions and then you eventually end up at calm abiding. Um, but you definitely want to try to hold what you can. You know what I mean? You don't want to spend the time trying to get the details and not hold anything. So you want to, even if it's a dull image, you want to hold it for a minute, two minutes, three minutes, whatever, and then try to refine it. But you, you definitely want to reten you have that reten like retention or that holding aspect of the single-pointed concentration because you will never um, train your mind to fix if you don't. Very little extra I added in, but it was just added Rinpoche's teaching that he's taught me before. Does that answer the question? So if you utilize the Buddha's image, for instance, you can choose so many different images when you do meditation. But if you use the Buddha's image, you have the added benefit of acquiring merit um, by, in the mind, thinking of the Buddha. And, and then what comes, the excellent qualities, et cetera, et cetera, because of the excellent qualities, et cetera, et cetera. So I've been doing this probably eight or nine years now, and I want to make sure I'm doing the correct thing. Is it all right that I actually write and highlight and make notes in my actual book, or should I do them separately? Konde lo je lo go nampa. Nampa, nama nampa cheson. Then a con tetsum shasun gangin sinner con coni becha the con trigodu the then the deeper rebe. No, don't worry, it's not misdeed. Mikashi Geshe lobes on gompo gapomare Geshe lobes on gompo na katsapolasu. So obviously we're at these teachings that are at this very high level. Are there yeah. adjunct texts that might help us to bridge the gap? Like, are the stage Kamalashilo stages of meditation a good, you know, adjunct for this one and for the next section on wisdom, which gets really complicated as I'm reading ahead? Like, is there anything that can kind of help us? Because we're 
at least for me, I'm not going to be able to get acquire all that knowledge or read all these texts like that you mm -hmm. read. So, but are there texts that are might help us to get from kind of a lower level of understanding to at least uh, you know approximate that? You know, is the, is the stage of meditation one, and what might be one for the next section? Okay. Lifetimes is yeah, I know. you know I, I know you don't want kind of hear that but it really this is the most complex material um, that Buddhism has to offer the most difficult material so it but I'm gonna ask the questions obviously but but know that you have to be able to be satisfied with not having that high level of understanding and then just being okay with that putting the book down and working at it again tomorrow because the kind of Western idea of like six months I need to know this or three, it's a three month course. It's, it's just not that. And it, it's tough to say that in the end of your life, you'll understand the end of the Lam Rim Chemo, no matter what you do. Um, so just start there, start there. But, but, but that being said, it doesn't mean that we're helpless and we're stupid. So let's give up. So that doesn't mean that. But as Westerners, we have to get our egos and our perspectives right because Tibetans always think in terms of lifetimes. They never think in, like, so when we ask questions and stuff, they're thinking like, yeah, 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 like 25 lives later. Like, they aren't thinking that it's even a chance that they're going to become enlightened in this life. They have the examples of one, Milarepa, and like some other legend and folklore, but they really, in their mind, don't think it's happening this time. So they just do a little better than they did yesterday. And that's hard for us, being like just a tiny bit, you know, more knowledgeable next week than the week before. It's really hard for us not to be able to kind of scoop it all up. It's hard for me anyway. Rimache, kontriwa de shine dang hatong. Then the Lamrim Chemo Injike Becha Sum Becha Sumba Shade a Kali Kapudu Shene Dang Hatong Chembo Shade a Kali Kapudu Then a Tanda Natsu Shene Lojung Shegudu Then a Becha Genda Natsu the Lobjung Pentogudu Kongichua The Natsu Gomrim Gomrim Papa Lobjung Shena Natsu Pentogudu Yamdu there aren't any easier books. This is very complex material. They're all going to say similar things. And um, so that I'm just translating. They're all going to say similar things. Um, and any book that you read, if it's from a qualified source, will help you. So they're all going to say the same things if they're correct. And anything that you read will help you. So I said, is the stages of meditation helpful? Other books. And he said, any book you read will help. Um, just more information and the more learning you can do, the closer you'll get. Now, he doesn't know what we have in English. So it's kind of difficult for him uh, to answer that as well because he he knows we don't have because they have commentaries that are like uh, uh, written s simpler like easier um, but they aren't they just contain the same information it's just put in an outline 
That's when they the way they think of simpler is just easier to outline in terms of their being able to memorize it, but there's no new information or easier way of putting it. So there really isn't that book to even translate. It's all just the same. This is considered the key to opening calm abiding and special insight. This is considered like the easy key to it. Like if you go to the, the Essence of Eloquence, Lama Tsongkhapa's other book on this, it's like another language. It's like somebody from Mars wrote it. It's so complex. So this is considered the dummied down, I mean, I say that with all the respect there is, but this is considered the easier version. That's why this book's so famous, because it's made it easier. So it's that hard. So he said, then the the samte gom becha the the genda gari gari apudu rimche the gari pentoludu pension son andrapa su he said no matter what book you get it's going to say the same thing he just keeps saying that and it's true if it's correct the information's right the information is limited, really. There's like a couple obstacles. Here's the divisions of those obstacles. Now, don't let those happen. Go. You know? Um, it just, it, it's all going to say the same thing. Yes? Um, when, when I'm not in laxity and when I'm not in excitement, what am I in and how do I maintain it when I'm not meditating and sharing it with others? and receiving it from others. Um, la what we're speaking of wouldn't be something you could share. Uh, what we're talking about. I'm not saying what you're talking about you couldn't share, but the concentration that we're speaking of is a only a personal concentration. Um, and it's a personal concentration that when we're sitting down to meditate, specifically we do. Um, and because we we wouldn't be driving a car and doing it because we would we're we're trying to get our mind to focus only on an object of observation solely. So I'm going to ask the question. I'm I just have to be able to use the the language that Rinpoche uses to ask the question. Um, so um, so once you when you're sit so now that we've established that what we're talking about is meditating specifically you're sitting on a cushion and meditating um, now you've removed excitement and you've removed laxity where are you you are focused only on that object that's where you are um, but i'll ask rimbache shiwa mena gupa mena garyu gomjapna chang the ngatsu gonjana ngatsu shiwa mena so if you don't have those, the the uh So if you have a complete absence of laxity and a complete absence of excitement in your meditation, then you have single-pointed concentration. So you have a concentration that is solely focused on whatever your chosen object of observation is. So that's what you have. You have a single focus. 
Don, to Don, to Don, Don, Don. Oh, you're on the mic. Oh, okay. I was introducing hey, you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> in, uh, <laughs> in our society here, it's very complex with a lot of stimulation. Because we have these cell phones, all this stuff going on that's stimulating us all the time. But I'm thinking in Tibet, I'm wondering, in Tibet, they have maybe four types of foods, so they don't have a lot of choices. <coughs> and, they ha and they have a more simple life. They don't have all these, before they didn't have automobiles, all this. So it's, there's something in, in Tibet which is like a lifestyle. Do we, can we change our lifestyle or is the way of looking at it going through all this stimulation that we have and still work as a uh, meditate. I'm just wondering what it is like in a monastery. Everybody wants all the same stuff we want. What? They want all the same stuff we want. They just want yeah. it less every day, hopefully, well, well, than they I'm did the day before. I'm just saying the lifestyle that we have in the lifestyle. No, I understand. Yeah. But I've lived yeah. in the monastery, and I'm so, telling you that like people want a new computer, and they want they want stuff like we want stuff. But I, I it's just it's not a pure land. I, I'm what I'm saying. It's just people like us all living together, trying to get better together but still come into the table with the same negative attachments that we have right now. But they all just live together and try to get rid of it together. Rimache, I but I do get the gist of your question, and I, I want to... Is there a way for us to change our lifestyle? Or is mm. it, you know? But the point is I'm making is, would that... Like, uh, there's a story if you take a, a jackass and, on, and you put this donkey on a train in Connecticut, and then you send it to to Florida, what gets off the train is still a donkey. So wherever you are, you bring your mind. So, um, but, so no matter what you materially remove, your mind is still there, and that's the problem. But, but I do get what you say. I do get what you mean by having less, it seems like it'd be easier, less stimuli and so forth. And it's an important question. Remache, quand this pula de ngama. The Cheran do the Nama the the um uh uh computer mambo yo mare dang mota mambo yo mare dang mambo yo mare dang kala chikshena je kala mambo shedo mambo yo mare kala je then the konki tsampa chikshena de le lar gangin sena ari la Natsu la phone yure, computer yure, pardro, mardro, leka yure, then kongi tsampa, chikshena, de kanga mena, then le lar. Then cheran salo gari yube. You call it cheaper as. Nge tsampa, de lap, nge lapsum, cheaper. Garishene cheaper. Gangisene de drapa, zen sarpagu. Drapa the chikshena con the the sha nangla sha that's cheon gugudu. Then chikshena the sha nangla drapa niyere. Yene con chipo de gugudu. Then chipa. Natsu kanga zin. Zin. The data yen. So he, he said it's the same no matter where you are and what you have, you still have yourself. So whatever you, your attachments and your cravings and so forth will manifest in a different form. 
Uh, so, for instance, uh, monks live in uh, rooms, he said, sometimes 12. And they say, oh, if we could only have 10, we, everything would be better. And uh, some monks have two. And if we could only be alone in this room, uh, and I, if, if I only had a bigger room, or if I only had a nicer book and my robes have started to get older and that monk over there has new robes on because his benefactor has more money and now he looks better than I do. You getting it? It's the same. So wherever you are, whatever you have, your attachment adapts accordingly and then you become attached to the things that you, you have. Here we have a lot of choices, but the choices don't change or make more attachment. They just mean that our attachment can go have, you know, go here and go there. But it's still the same strength is what I'm saying. Yeah. The strength of the attachment doesn't decline because of the environment. Thank you. Does that makes sense? Uh, yes, very good very good answer. Thank you. I'm gonna start saying donkey. I think people get upset when I say jackass. <laughs> Because it seems like I'm putting someone down. If I just said, since I, I seem to understand it like excite, if we're not excited and we're not, we don't have laxity, where um, those are sort of just the two things we have to strike a balance between. But, but what about cases where we're distracted by sort of an unpleasant object, by sort of worrying about our problems or something like that? Because um, uh, it seems like. Excitement is specifically characterized in terms of being distracted by an object that's attractive, but what if I'm distracted because I'm worrying about It could just be mental discursiveness. It doesn't have to be a, a, a attractive. It doesn't, A doesn't, Rimache, the gupa, shiwan gupa, the gupa yuna, the pugo nagado, then ninji. Then this sound on the gupa, the nge gom jagadu, the nge mipa sanje yen, the nge 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 pogo, the shera nagadu, ninji, sanodana de gupa yen? Gupa. Gupa. The gupa yen. Gupa de gupa. What a gupa then? Pisha de gupa. Maybe I did a minute, sent the mazibajisha, sound called so if when you look at the definition, raw definition of excitement is when your mind is trying to focus on one object of observation and it is moving away from that object to another. So that's excitement. It's when the mind strays from its object of observation. I do know where you, I, the part. I know what you're talking about. I hear you. I'd have to re-look at it, and, but I do. I'm going to. Next life. I'm going to stop saying next week because, yeah. Um, so, Rinpoche, and you talked about um, that uh, in Tibetan Buddhism, they look at enlightenment, they think in multiple lifetimes. And you said only a few will, in like this lifetime, awaken. In other schools like Zen, um, it seems like they emphasize way more this lifetime to it now. And it also seems um, that maybe more than just like a few cases do have that awakening. I'm wondering maybe if that awakening that they're talking about isn't as strong 
more riddled, um, a lesser vehicle. Real quick, um, Rinpoche has never studied Zen, so in fairness, he won't really know what their tenets say. Mm. Secondly, I have slightly studied Zen, and Zen has an enlightenment that's not Buddhahood. They say they're enlightened, but it just means kind of awake, but it doesn't necessarily mean they are Buddhas. So you'd, you'd have to look at the terminology and be sure that they're saying that this person is a Buddha because they have terms that they use similar to ours, but they don't mean the same thing. Then the the shade kali kapu yo mare kelen, then the kon kon segdu, the zen den den the kelen ahakogamare kon de segdu, chikshina de zen kelen de de kelen gamare, yene kon this kon segdu zen kelen, the shanchu le labudu, me mambu shanchu le tsun, then ngatsu nyamdu le sanje yure, then. So it would be very, very difficult to become enlightened. It's very difficult to even achieve bodhicitta, the mind that aspires to become enlightened, just to achieve the mind that wants to become a Buddha. And that, as a translator's note, isn't just, hey, I want to be a Buddha. It's day and night. That's all you think about is becoming a Buddha for the sake of others. You don't have cars and you just, that's it. Day and night thinking of that with no other thoughts uh, except thoughts that would help you to that goal. Um, so Rinpoche is saying that even having that is very, very difficult. Um, so he only knows that. That, the, that. that even achieving the mind that wishes to become a Buddha is extremely difficult. And I said, well, how many bodhisattvas would you say there are? A bodhisattva, now the Zen tradition uses the word bodhisattva very freely. And they say that we're, they would say that we're all bodhisattvas because we're trying to become Buddhas. But it, it's defined differently when you look at And it's not Tibetan Buddhism. It's Indian Buddhism. It's what the Buddha taught in the Kangjur, the pronouncements of Lord Buddha that have been translated into Tibetan, commented on by Indian commentators, Nagarjuna and Asanga and Aryadeva and Chandrakirti and, and Chandragroman and all of these <coughs> incredible scholars, and then some works that, were Tibet, that Tibetan scholars commented on. But no Tibetan scholar made up a kind of Buddhism. The Tibetans only commented on the Buddhism, the only Buddhism that was taught, because there was only a Buddha that taught it, Buddha Shakyamuni. There were other Buddhas before, there will be other Buddhas in the future. But the works that we have in our world system to study are Buddha Shakyamuni's works. And Buddha Shakyamuni's works all line up and connect exactly with Tibetan Buddhism. 
And if there's any part of Tibetan Buddhism that isn't exactly what Shakyamuni says, it should be thrown in the garbage, as should any other teachings that are saying they are the teachings of the Buddha, but are not following what the Buddha said. So I'm not saying that of Zen, but I'm saying that if there is a pronouncement other than that of what Buddha said, that contradicts what Buddha said, it's not Buddhism. We can call it something else, but it should not be called Buddhism. Um, so it's very hard in the Indian text to become a Buddha. It's like it says like the reason I ask the numbers is because it's like one person in an eon or it's like crazy small amounts of numbers. What is it? All the atoms in the universe versus the atoms on the tip of your nail. Like like all the atoms versus the atoms that fit on the tip of your nail. Just the nail. We're good. All right. So is that that's the answer. Rinpoche hasn't studied Zen, so he can't say whether Zen says that or doesn't say that. If there was a Zen master here, we could speak on that. But I don't I, I've studied Zen and I don't think that it's it's um to become a Buddha is considered easy. But I, I do know what you mean, because the terminology, uh, we're enlightened, is used very freely. Can you speak to like these lower level awakenings that are not Buddhahood, but which Zen would call awakening? Because I'm sure there are. You'd have to know what they're talking about. You know okay. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like Buddhism, we have bodhicitta, we have renunciation, we have really mm. specific things. And there's, the, I don't know, I don't know what what those are we'd have to have their their school like you know we'd have to have it in front of us and know what the pronouncement is and then ask the question from there like oh this is what you're this kind of enlightenment you're saying this is enlightenment we would say it's this like i, I don't know what they proclaim sorry that's all right One more question, then we'll end. So, when you say in one lifetime that Milarepa, whoever achieved enlightenment, what does that even? What does that mean? That Nothing. he had no future? Ex you know, like, what does that nothing. even mean? I'm telling you, it means nothing because he previous lives studied. It was that right. lifetime that it happened. But so why is that held out as an example of anything different than anyone else that would have achieved? Because it's an example of someone who did it. And there are very few to use. But you said in one lifetime. Yeah. But that's the, that's the example that they use of a person who they have the story of, besides Shakyamuni, that went and did this and went and did that and went and did this and then was enlightened in that lifetime. We don't have other stories. of. So when we say in one lifetime, it just means that we have their story of like that lifetime where they did it. But it doesn't mean have. they did it in one lifetime. Con this, this do Milarepa, they say, say chi, shanchu. Yine, jewang amang 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 lobjung shay song. Dang sun song, say chik yomare. Then garishene con mingda. Swanjia, tsaji hitan, tsaji lizanjia salaro. Yine, say chi yomare, gangisene jewang ama nampi chu lobjung shay song. So in dependence upon large accumulations, he was able to achieve enlightenment in one lifetime. 
previous accumulations. It's just a story. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't hold on to it. Just let it, let it go. I can read out of something where flowers rain from the sky, too. Just let it go. The reading um, that comments on impermanence mm-hmm. uh, related to calm excitement by bringing to mind impermanence and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was thinking about that in terms of what you had also said with the, I guess, middle ground between laxity and excitement being single point meditation. Mm-hmm. I'm curious what impermanence would look like in single point meditation. For instance, if you were to choose to look at a river. Could you do that in terms of like a single point or is that not single point meditation? I don't know if that if makes it was, sense. It would be a picture of a river. It couldn't be a move. Well, it could it maybe. Rimache, the tinginzi gona. So, so it's sanodangadwe. So, river. Sanodangadwe. Gangisena, the kalikabudu, gangisena river, pardro, marjo. Then sanodang, mipachi, kalikabudu. You could. You could use a river as an object of observation as long as you somehow singly... I, what I said to Rinpoche is I think it would be a hard object of observation because it's moving. So it would be constantly... You would have this feeling that it was moving and things were changing. Um, and changing is what you don't want. You can't achieve single-pointed concentration if the object of observation changes at all. So anyway, but he said, yeah, you can do that. Mm. Oh, and uh, the in what would impermanence look like in single pointed concentration? Was that a question too? The mark mitapa tingenzi gone to the. Then kandre. Then kandre the mikpa chik the. Mikpa chik, mitapa. Then garit sanodang. Mitapa netsu sanodang? Garit sanodang. Mitapa netsu ngasu mende sanodang na meshende ayuro. Mitapa rabaro. And then mitapa chamu garit sanodang na shiwa maris. Then they tingzi ratude. Tingzi yabu gongi ina chitugaris. So there are... Um, he said, if you're able to use it, it's difficult to use concepts, obviously more difficult than a picture. Um, and there are coarse forms of impermanence, uh, such as being born and then dying. Uh, this is a, a coarser form of impermanence. And then the subtle forms of the momentary disintegration that's taking place of everything. Um, so if you can... Uh, use this as an object of observation in your analysis, it's very, very good. And if you can somehow then harness it into a single object of observation, uh, it can be used. But um, can be, Rimache is saying. It seems like he's saying it's a difficult way, way to go about it, but it can be used. Because once you achieve single-pointed concentration on, for instance, you get it, you use a Buddha, and then you achieve single-pointed concentration. You then have it. So then you can point it at anything. So at that point, then you could point it at impermanence. And then I guess you would know what it looked like single-pointedly looking at 
impermanence. I was trying to ask Rinpoche what it would look like, and I didn't really get anywhere. Okay, concluding mandala offering and dedication prayer. Does it look like something just melting? I don't know. Like the matrix when it goes poof. No? Too much? Tuchena Rimche, Shere Sobudu. The fundamental ground is scented with incense and strewn with flowers, adorned with Mount Meru, the four continents, the sun and the moon. I imagine this as a Buddha land and offer it. May all sentient beings enjoy this pure realm. I dedicate whatever virtues I have collected for the benefit of the teachings and of all sentient beings, and in particular for the essential teachings of Venerable Lozandrapa to shine forever. I send forth this jeweled mandala to you, precious Guru. I dedicate all this virtue to emulate the knowledge of the hero Manjushri and likewise Samantabhadra as well. With whatever dedication is praised as supreme by all the conquerors who traverse the three times, I also dedicate all my roots of virtue for the sake of auspicious deeds. In that pure land surrounded by snowy mountains, you are the source of all benefit and happiness. All powerful Avogateshvara Tenzin Jatso, may you stay until samsara's end. I pray for the long life of the precious Kensar Wandok, upholder of scriptural and realizational doctrines, spiritual friend who trained extensively in the five great philosophical texts with exceptional wisdom and perseverance. Tuji Rimchi Guti Shapi Denona. Sulam Rimchamokan Chiona.